And it's horrific numbers, like large numbers of just flat out yeah. missing people. Like America freaks out whenever we have like a serial killer. And we're the ghouls next door. Next door. Doing it. Talking spooky stuff. Spookiest of stuff. And saddest (laughs) of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be the theme. I mean, I I guess it makes sense because people, the world is sad and filled with trash humans. And like horror is always like, like it's not like a fun, you know? (laughs) It's not. Yeah. (laughs) You think we would have gotten used to it by now. Yeah. As as I have now in the last few episodes been known to say, we can trust horror to be horrific. So history's that. History's horrific. Everything's horrific. Everything's sad. Yeah. So, so. we make films about it to feel a little less sad. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely it. Totally in essence. Because, uh, you know, horror is a genre that allows for a lot of things to be said in a less, like, policed way. Yeah. Yeah. We try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is a continuation of our For the Culture series. Um, today we are taking a trip to Mexico uh, yes. with Isa Lopez to talk about Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is another yeah. favorite among the horror community and also available on Shudder. Yeah. Yeah, we keep doing that. <laughs> Shudder's got it. Um, just seems to be home. I don't know if it's the only home, but that's where I watched it. Shutter seems to be yeah, a really good place for me. Um, and it's a, it's a great film. It's unique. Um, and we'll talk about why. So like Isa Lopez even said she wanted it to kind of feel like a documentary about Mexican mm. drug cartels and its effect on women and children and make it fantastical because it's about children. Uh, and I think she does yeah. that. <laughs> so like there's the whole documentary aspect because it's, you know, very there's a lot of things that are based on truth and um, like she starts off with stats and like information right at the beginning uh, mm-hmm. to kind of put you in the mood. So Kat, take it away. Yeah. I'm going to tell you some really sad stuff as usual, you know, cause history is horrific and sad. So tigers are not afraid is a really emotional film uh, as I guess you would expect it to be since that was kind of like what the director sought out for it to be. Uh, and it has a lot of violence against women and children in it, kind of similar to like what we saw in Impedigore in that like women and children are at the forefront of the violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film was written, as Gabe said, by Issa Lopez. And they said that it really were inspired by reality to make the film. So as you know, they wanted to make it a documentary like film. It's definitely that. Um, and I read an article in NPR called in tigers are afraid, a dark fantasy amid Mexico's drug war. Uh, and the director explains some of what inspired the film, obviously reality, as we said, but there's a universal fascination with the figure of a drug Lord and with cartels and a certain type of romance, even, which is terrible that has emerged from it. She says, but nobody is talking about the children left to their own devices because their parents have been taken. Their parents were displaced 
or sometimes killed. Nobody is addressing this as the proper war it is. And it felt as it was needed that the story of someone needed to do it. So like this story needed to be told. So there's like, I'm going to do it because no one else is. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I did some research on the reality that East is talking about. So the information I found is really heartbreaking. The brutality against women and children in the film is based on very real things that are extremely horrific. So I read an article from The Guardian called Mexico's Murders, Women Rise Sharply as Drug War Intensifies. A report from Mexico's Interior Department states that the annual femicide, which is the first time I've ever heard that used, which is the murder of females, Mm -hmm. essentially, rate in 2016 was 4.4 per 100,000 women. The report goes on to state that of the 52,210 killings of women recorded over the 32-year period, a third of that number took place from 2010 to 2017. The article states that the rise in killings of women coincide with Mexico's militarized offensive against drug cartels, which is launched in late 2006 by then-President Felipe Calderon. Um, but the high, highest violence rates and femicide rates take place in areas with high crime and drug cartel presence. Uh, many of these murders taking place after kidnappings and done outside of the home. So essentially not so much like domestic in-home violence, but literally women being taken from their cars, public places, um, and being like kidnapped or murdered. Uh, the study also said that while the vast majority of male homicide victims were killed by firearms, many female, Murders continue to be done in the most cruel means, such as stabbing, beating, strangling, and that really reflects the misogyny that is, like, inherent in the area. Yeah, those are more, uh, like, emotional, personal murder Mm -hmm. than just a gun. Yeah, and I mean, it extends both, like, just through all outright murder to also, like, sexual assaults, also Mm -hmm. to... uh, trafficking like sex trafficking and a lot of women have just gone missing and the like mexico does not have a set up dna bank to track all these people Hmm. so a lot of people who go missing are either never found or bodies that are identified it's very hard to figure out whose body it is um and the article kind of continues it says that this is happening because there's just been this cultural pattern in devaluing women um, and considering them disposable, allowing for a social social permissiveness in the face of violence and ultimate expression femicide. So like that these women are being murdered in such a way that it's showing that culturally they are not being valued as human beings Mm because they're being like killed in ways that are very grotesque or cruel. Um, the horror of this continues with the disappearance, disappearance of girls and women across Mexico. In an article, Mexico's Missing Girl Canal, there's a focus on Edomex, which is claimed to be a powerhouse of Mexico City's modernization. However, it's a place that's kind of deemed very unsafe for women in the article. Um, it says Edomex is in no man's land. It doesn't exist to the outside world, uh, said Cynthia Galicia, a legal expert of the National Autonomous University of Mexico. Uh This is stated because 1,258 girls and women have been reported missing in Edomex between 2011 and 2012. 53% of that number were children aged 10 to 17. 
To make matters more horrific, over 448 women have been murdered in this state. Their mutilated bodies left and displayed in public places like roads, parks, and shopping areas. This is not the first instance of this where 379 women were sexually assaulted, murdered, and dismembered in Ciudad Juarez, their bodies left in the desert. So it seems like there's this like trend of violence against women and specifically like in this most brutal, horrific way. But there was this one story of a girl who they found the body of, but that there's like this kind of how we saw in the film. I feel like we did see flyers of missing people Mm -hmm. and that that is just really common and that there's this kind of lawlessness that is taking place where like the police are not going against the will of the cartels. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, people are looking for help, but they're not receiving it. So in Edomek specifically, they're saying like, there's this kind of like, it's a no man's land because there's not law enforcement that is helping the people of Edomek protect themselves against the cartels. Um, and these kidnappings and these like very open murders yeah, and we um, see that in the film too. Mm-hmm. And it it, it kind of just kind of goes on to suggest that there's like hypothesized violence is linked to big business owners, corrupt politicians, and organized crime, um, and that there's just no investigation of these crimes, so that the crimes are happening, and that there's no way to like make up for all the crimes that have been happening, like find justice for these people because they're just being ignored. Mm. Um, And they're saying that the violence has increased because of like the lack of criminal justice presence. Um, And that like, they did say that they're trying to fight back against cartels in 2006, but that the violence only kind of got worse after that. Um. And there was a lot more information about it that I recommend people checking out. But it it was really heartbreaking. The like the, I guess the sheer number, mm-hmm. similar to how we saw in last week's episode, where we were just like it was thousands um, of people who were either missing, murdered, and done so in just like really awful ways. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of La Llorona, right? Like where they had all the mm. missing people posters and mm-hmm. how it was just like people just disappearing um with no way to find out what happened to them uh and mm-hmm. just like that that terror that just is there um yeah and the need to escape because like it also makes me think you know of all the the folks who are trying to immigrate um to america and it's like you watch this film and you can understand why like you get a first gl- hand glimpse it's like why wouldn't you want that child to come here and to have, like, a better future? Why not have people leave these ghost towns where they could go missing and instead come here? Um, yeah. that's Yeah. And it, it, honestly, you think about the fact that there are people who come here with their parents. Mm-hmm. Got, like... In, in this scenario, it's a lot of kids being left, like, being, like, their parents have been murdered or kidnapped and they're left to their own devices. You yeah. have parents and their kids who are actually together, but then at the U.S. border get separated. Mm-hmm. And then we just lose them. We just lose those kids. Yeah. And if you think of, like, how even more devastated it is that that is, like, ice exists. That yeah. How horrific that the fact that, like, 
they're together when they get here. But then despite the fact that America's just crappy and awful, and th- then they still get separated by the fact that they managed to stay together to this point. Like that's yeah. just even more upsetting yeah well it's like also Um, thinking about all those people who are just like oh they're endangering their kids by coming here it's like watch this film like they were already in danger like this is the only option and it's not danger like if you just let them in like if you just support people and like no human is an alien like no human is illegal that's not how that works yeah. um so if we humans just made be it no, safe, like they used to just travel they used to just travel across the planet there were no like states we were nomadic like no one claim like this earth does not belong to anybody yeah yeah just Dumb. it should yeah it should be safe and then we you know could potentially not have stories like this and it really is sad that how how it has infiltrated so much like that you mm-hmm. know there's it's a lawless land yeah and it's just really uh it outlines that it's really gender specific that they're like gender hate crimes essentially mm-hmm. um and if women aren't being trafficked into prostitution that they're basically being murdered in just like really gruesome ways and i think I remember in the film, they were calling the, like, child, like, the main child, uh, Estrella. Mm-hmm. They kept, like, when they were chasing her, they were like, come here, you slut. Like, stuff like that. It was like, she is 11 years old, maybe. And, yeah. like, what? Like, it was just, like, very much evident that, like, there was this hatred of women. Yeah. In that, like, they extended to girls, like, children. Um. And it was like really sad, and it, it's and you can see it evident in like what's ha- what was happening during this period, and likely still is. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that it was a little bit challenging to find anything that directly called out cartels. Uh, I was able to get like information about cartels, and once I got more specific with my search, uh, you know, after kind of really establishing which thing I wanted to research, it was a little bit easier. But it seems like they're still able to protect themselves in some way from even the media. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of like the one child nation documentary Mm. and how it was just like closed out. Like if they don't want you to get the information out there, it's not getting out there. Yeah. Which is another reason why this film is so important. Cause it's like, you know, like I'm, I was aware that there's cartels and that there's danger in Mexico, but still, you know, as a, an American being ignorant to the specifics of that and what that is and how it affects people. Um, so this film really like was eye opening and to hear like that it's not that far from the truth that it like there's fantastical elements, but the rest of it is pretty true to life, um, is really jarring and kind of opens your eyes to, to a different world that we're kind of consciously ignoring. Yeah. But yeah, it's really sad. Um, There are groups that are fighting against it. There are people who are trying to like bring light to it. Obviously, the existence of this film is doing that. Um, But obviously, there's like a lot of ways to go. So we kind of just have to keep hoping that more and more people see films like this and that people like care and that America gets their act together in terms of ice like just dismantle ice yeah like get rid of it 
it's not helping anyone. If anything, it's actively hurting human life. Uh, that needs to be like, if anything have already gone through a lot and needs support and protection. Yeah. Those are human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hashtag abolish ice. <laughs> definitely yeah. believe in that. And in, um, definitely check our show notes in our blog for links to more information. Um, and we also include, uh, ways to help or resources if you want to help contribute to make a change and, support the the causes that are out there um so if you check our yeah. show notes we will have some links there yeah i mean definitely do your own research obviously i'm not an expert i do claim to be a historian um but recommend people do their own look into this stuff because it's it was a lot and it's not enough i cannot cover the depth of a history of a culture in like 15, 20 minutes. So highly recommend doing, you know, your own research and finding information yourself. But this is like a little dip toe mm -hmm. into what's, what's going on. We're talking about tigers are not afraid from 2017. And I'm going to tell you what it was about. A dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war, directed by Issa Lopez. Yeah. Um, who's a new favorite. So mm -hmm. um, I am an absolute sucker for magical realism. It is one of my favorite genres of anything. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I just really enjoy, you know, weaving fantastical elements into very real trauma <laughs> like yeah. and that's how we cope as as creative human beings um some of my yeah. favorites being you know tony morrison uh love her guillermo del toro which you've heard me talk about a lot and uh octavia butler and now isa lopez because mm -hmm. she did a great job um Tigers Are Not Afraid has been compared to Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. And I definitely see that um, comparison. Mm -hmm. Like there are quite a few things um, that are kind of similar. Um, and just yeah. that comparison is what piqued my interest in the beginning to even cover Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, yeah, which, that's a big compliment. Yeah. And I mean, Guillermo has also... Um, you know, talked about how much he loves and appreciates this film, which is such an honor. <laughs> like I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, and that he really appreciates it. Um, something that I enjoyed about this was that, you know, Isa is talking about Mexico and about what's happening there and how it's affecting the women and children. And one of my yeah. only uh, gripes that I've ever had with Guillermo was that he often covers Spain and like the Spanish yeah. war and Spanish trauma, which is like, fine um but the reason why we couldn't use him for any of our for the culture or foreign horror because he's mexican um and you know don't want to speak about issues in mexico yeah which is like you're allowed to speak about other issues um yeah but like no, i don't want to go on a rant about colonizers but Spain is a colonizer. <laughs> so, yeah. And we, you know, uh, <laughs> when we talk about like South America, we get a lot of those like very light skinned people being real racist to the Mayan looking people. And that's where some yeah. of my, you know, angst comes from. But uh, Issa is like filling that void that I was missing where it was just like, 
you know, you can tell these fantastical stories about like the wars and, and the traumas of children. Uh, and you can do it about like a place you're from. <laughs> That's what she yeah. does. Um, and you know, I love Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, it is one of my all time favorite films. Every okay, time it's very good. I, revisit that piece I am met with more to be impressed by um, whether it's you know the the imagery or the depth or the acting or the just the pain that's in there like yeah there's always something new where I'm like oh I didn't even think about that and it's just like it's charming in its own way and also very dark and I think Uh um it's that makes it very unique and beautiful and for sure like, I totally understand the, the comparisons because there really is that, like, it is fantastical realism. Um, it is Spanish. <laughs> like, you're speaking Spanish. Like, uh, it's de- there, there are some, uh, you know, comparisons to me, but I don't want to spend a lot of time doing that because yeah. uh, Tiger, Tiger's is its own. Like, it is uh, yeah. so unique and so much her that... Um, I, I, I'm just going to, like, stop it there. The only other <laughs> comparison I will make is another content warning, which is that both feature child death. Um, yeah. And so just being warned. And it was so sad. Yeah. Like, heartbreaking. Like, child death in Pan's Labyrinth wasn't even as dramatic as it was here. Because this was, like, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it what was, did you just do to me? Yeah. It was so. It hit. In a very visceral way. And that, like, the actors themselves reacted very viscerally. And I think that really, one, added to it. But just the action Mm -hmm. of it taking place was really just wow. Yeah. Well, like, you know, uh, these children were phenomenal actors. I definitely believed them the entire time and felt for them immediately. Uh, Not just because it's, like, kids on screen. Because, like, you know, sometimes we see them and they're not great. But I would say, like, right behind, like, it. The kids from it, like these were really talented um, children that really were selling the story. Um, and I believe yeah. their trauma. And and Issa is uh, like before this, um, she would do a lot of just like comedies. She worked in television um, yeah. on like episodic features. And so it's just like this is totally like different from what she would use uh, she used to do um but it doesn't feel like it does it's not amateur hour by any means um it's very unique and it has a voice throughout that I think um that I that makes me excited for whatever else Mm -hmm. she decides to create you know um yeah There is an article in the L.A. Times titled How Mexican Filmmaker Isa Lopez Defied Expectations with Tigers Are Not Afraid by Carlos Aguilar. And um, he says, Tigers Are Not Afraid was born out of her realization that entire areas of some Mexican cities have become ghost towns as people flee or disappear as cartel-related violence explodes. An unknown number of orphaned children have resulted as the collateral victims of the gruesome conflict. And I think, like, for her and a lot of interviews that I found when I was kind of looking around was that she very much wanted to highlight what was happening with this specific group of people, which is, like, children and women, um, because they are being neglected, 
right? They're not yeah. getting the, like like you said, it was hard to find stats, right? Like it's in its horrific numbers, like large numbers of just flat out yeah. missing people. Like America freaks out whenever we have like a serial killer, and yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like oh, they killed like ten people, really awful. It's like okay, well, this lady, this girl's mom just up and disappeared. That's it. America is just really like. Numbers only matter when they want them to matter. Like, COVID is 4,000 people a day. Yeah. So, they care when they care. They don't when they don't. It's, yeah. Here we are. Yeah, that's America. Um, I think that Tigers Are Not Afraid is as much about the magic of youth as it is mm. about growing up too fast because the world yeah. is violent and broken and you have to, like – you got to get up or it's going to get you, right? Like, yeah. and it's about coping with that in the way that children do. And that's where the fantastical elements come in. Um, and I've really appreciated that, you know, taking place in Mexico, we get a glimpse like of this tattered country. Like we get into yeah. one of these ghost towns where the people are living on edge and they are forced to adapt to the instability and violence and like cope. Like there's, we see it throughout yeah. that there is this resiliency in in the wake of the pain and trauma that they're enduring um, and just like a persistence, right, about living on yeah. and making do with whatever it is that they're given. Um, to still find happiness and like little moments of childhood and joy in this like horrific landscape. Yeah, like you just kind of, you have to. Um, yeah. And it has wonderful, fantastic elements. Uh, there's like a trickling line of blood that guides us through, like leads our protagonist to information or to places that she needs to go. And it kind of reminded me of video games, like um, specifically okay. like when you're playing like in Dead Space, if you cl click a button, I think it's like R3, click it, it'll like light up, like there'll be a light and it'll like kind of point you and it'll be like, whoo. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, and Ghost of Tsushima, there's wind that does that. It's yeah, like, I think there's something I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think there's something in Witcher. But even like Cyberpunk, right? Like when you're looking at your map and you have that yellow line that leads yeah. you to where you need to go, that's what it made me think of. Um, so it was kind of like a game. Um, there's a uh, little black dragon that like comes out of the girl's phone and then goes back into the phone. There's a yeah. sweet little stuffed tiger that communicates with us in warning and in mourning. Um, yeah. And is a vocal piece for a character that didn't voice um, his yeah. pain. And for me, like each and every one of these elements is an attempt at reasoning a world that doesn't make sense. That like yeah. does, isn't structured it isn't following the laws that we were supposed to believe in. Um, and it, it's it's hopeful and it does bring little moments of joy when we're watching it sometimes. Like um, when Australia yeah. tempts the boys with the, uh, the vision of a, a, a zoo that has a football field and a palace, like <laughs> place that they could run yeah. away to. And then they find one, right? Of course, like the zoo is that uh, aquarium broke. And now there's like fish like struggling to survive in this little place. The football field is really just a room that's full of soccer balls. They have like a theater that's empty that they do their little talent show. Um, and it's just like in the palace, you know, is this old decrepit building that's just in the middle 
of nowhere and it's their own little oasis for yeah. a short blissful moment so that the kids can actually be kids which yeah we don't get to see a lot <laughs> like or when we do yeah. it's really like i said it in, in the beginning i was like this hits heavy already because when she's like walking from the school there's a caution tape off place and the kids are playing in there and i was like yeah. this is really heavy-handed <laughs> like, they're playing limbo with a caution tape for someone who was killed yeah yeah and it was like here is this dichotomous world where there's violence and pain and also child joy because they have to do it right um mm -hmm. there's an article in the new yorker called the haunted street children of tigers are not afraid by anthony lane and he says her film is forever suggesting that the urge to tell stories about oneself and the nourishing virtues of play can be a means of survival some kids lurk around with crime scene tape yards away from a body on the sidewalk others burn a discarded grand piano for fun Shine and his crew hole up in what was once a fancy house where ornamental fish freed from their tank still dart about in a puddle on the concrete floor. Upstairs, the lads enjoy a game of soccer, inking numbers on one another's bare backs with a permanent marker to make up for want of t-shirts. Um, yeah. Because it's like, you know, kids are, are resilient at the end of the day. Like, this is what they're going to do. <laughs> like, they're going to find joy yeah. and they're going to allow themselves that joy. And I think that is a strength that adults don't always have, um, which makes Fair. this story very unique because we can get a glimpse into a very intimate and vulnerable space um, because it's through the eyes of children. Um, yeah. I th think one of the most impactful scenes and one that set the tone for what this film was going to be is when Estrella is at school. Um, and she, so she's been living at home alone and is just kind of going through her routine and holding on to like the comfort and habit. Um, mm -hmm. And she continue all the way to the point where she continues to go to school. And you think like, as <laughs> like American kids, you would think like, Oh, I like, you know, oh, we don't ever want to go to school. If your parents weren't home, you wouldn't go to school, you know? Um, yeah. But for me personally, that struck as someone who's had like a dark history and difficult childhood, um, that there were many times where not going to school was an option um, or like there was things going on where it was like, you can't go to school, where I went to school because that was my escape. That was my oasis. Yeah. And it was same normal. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like, I can yeah. go, I can focus on studying. I can, I can see my friends. I can look at the board and just for a few hours, not be aware of what's happening elsewhere. Yeah. It was like the one thing that was normal. Mm -hmm. Like it was not chaotic in any way. Like you knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. Like I, I tried to like live at school as much as I could. I was like clubs, whatever, whatever lets me stay here longer and does not make me go. Home. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, it was definitely a safe space. Yeah. There's like a comfort in the mundanity of it. Right. It's just like, this is routine. I just do it and I don't have to think, you know, yeah. and I don't have and to sometimes stress. that's your one like safe person too is at school. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you have like a teacher who, if you know, they're they're the ones that you can really like have a 
guard like a guardian figure mm-hmm. kind of like in your life even if they don't like get to go home with you like they are maybe the person that like is your safe person mm-hmm. like they're the ones who believe in you too and like pursue yeah. to to do what maybe you didn't believe you could um mm-hmm. and i found that like f- at the beginning uh the school is that for Estrella. like she goes there and there is joy and the teacher starts them off with uh like they have to make their own fairy tale with princes and palaces and tigers mm-hmm. and it's cute right because it, it also shows you yeah. how young that she is right that we're doing fairy tales in school and it, yeah. the joy is in a, in imagination is immediately cut short when we hear gunshots outside and so then they have to yeah. you know get on the ground and i think about like even our youth right now who live in that similar fear with school shootings where, you know, they have experienced yeah. that trauma. They experienced that fear. There was like a tweet that I saw recently because of the um, Capitol where it was like a young girl tweeted at like a congressperson and was just like, oh, was that scary? Did you have to hide under your desk? Like that happened to me three times and I haven't even gotten to high school yet. Like those kinds of things, like of like the reality uh, that we have been ignoring even here. Um, But she's like, we are immediately like cut into what is happening in this world with those gunshots and they're, they're down and the teacher, you know, is trying to hold on to some semblance of, you know, not happiness, but trying to help her cope and, and distract her. And so she gives her three pieces of chalk and says, like, you know, you can make wishes on them. And similar to the monkey's paw, uh, although yeah. her wishes come true, they come at a steep price. Yeah. And it is it is this question of, like, are these her wishes coming true or did those wishes happen and it's her way of justifying them? Yeah. Like, her way of, like, coping with what's happening in front of her. Yeah, like, internalizing them. And I think, like, you know, just like the hard and violent life outdoors, this story doesn't have a happily ever after, but more of a to be continued. Because Estrella is going to either continue to persevere and fight through and grow up, or she will die. Like, that is, those are the only options. And it's... It's just like this film, it really just is a downer <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah. in, in a way that I think opens you up emotionally and it, you know, that, that scene is what kicks us off into the world. Um, so, the, you know, one of her havens is closed, the school gets closed and then Estrella yeah. is then forced to leave her home because she is hungry and her mother's not there. And yeah. she is forced to break each piece of chalk Um to grant those wishes ultimately like she can't even hold on to those yeah um so the horror elements in this film kind of reminded me of crimson peak and again i i don't want to compare her to del toro uh but i also brought crimson peak up in impedigor so it's safe um but in that (laughs) same way is like there's like creepy scary things that are kind of silly like in crimson peak they weren't really scary um but they were also kind of scary like it was like they're they're what you would imagine someone is personifying as something scary and these definitely felt like a kid that is just disassociating and projecting monsters into reality Mm -hmm. um and 
like I didn't feel like they were so scary as much as like the environment was scary and what was happening was scary um and even so like there was a comfort in them too because you didn't know if you should trust them because they were also helping yeah like they also warned her and like protected her at times so it's like what are these are they should we be afraid of them what is it um which I, I really enjoyed and I think like all magical realism we have like a fictional and a fantastical explanation for the events and yeah. then we have the blunt unapologetic reality right uh and Estrella is haunted by a mysterious woman who at first seems dangerous to her and then later is like prophetic and protective and is her mother yeah and it's like we didn't even know that <laughs> right like so and it's like what is that really like at the end, is it just her ability to, you know, try to protect herself and persevere? Um, or, you know, it, it, is she really seeing a ghost? Yeah. Right? Like, you, I love the kind of tales where you can believe either. Yeah. Um, our little crew of protagonists are these resilient and lovable kids. They are the best and most heartbreaking part of this film. Yeah. Um. Because you love them immediately. Well, yeah, they're uh, just so cute. And they're dancing. They're just like little kids. And they're like finding those little minutes of joy. And it's so hard to watch. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like when you're introduced to Shine, right? He is uh, doing graffiti on the wall of the tiger. And he follows the the man from the cartel. And you like all you know is that there's this, there's this kid. Yeah. And then he picks up this gun and he's going to shoot this guy. And it's like, what? That's a child. And that's like the first time you meet him. Right. Yeah. And then, it, it, you know, the rest of it is like we see there's this other side to him. Like each one of them is charming and soft and broken for some reason. Yeah. Uh, like something has happened to them. We learn about their traumas as we progress in the story. Um, Moro, which is like the biggest heart piece of this um is the youngest of the crew he's adorable and nonverbal, and he experienced something so awful that he's never spoke again yeah like since then uh shine like we learn about him that he is holding on to this phone that is putting them in danger ultimately um but that he can't let it go and that he's so connected to it because it has the only picture of his mother on it yeah no it, that he it's- has it's he, I loved his character probably I I loved Moro too but he was my favorite because he he really just had to like grow up and he was the oldest of this little group and he like was trying to be like the old act as the oldest like he grew up so fast and is just trying mm-hmm. to like keep some semblance of normalcy for him and his friends and it's he's trying to be so strong and yeah. it's so like spoilers but like the end hurt me (laughs) Mm -hmm. in such like I wanted him to be okay and when he wasn't I was just like oh yeah well and he because he he strives to protect them Mm -hmm. and this is his own little family there's a lot of like in, in some of the articles that I was reading there's often a comparison to Peter Pan right so like he's Peter Pan she's Wendy and these are the lost boys yeah. We are all we have. We've made our own little community, our own little family, and we protect each other. And it's very clear that that's it, right? Like that they made their own family 
with each other and are as much like brothers as anything else. And he is, you know, the pseudo father and she's a pseudo mother in this circumstance of like taking care of them and guiding them. Um, And that's why it's so heartbreaking when we we lose some of them. Um, And it's just... Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think they're very uh, deliberate and beautifully crafted as characters. Um, Anthony Lane from The New Yorker, which I mentioned earlier in this article, also says, um, Every time I make a wish, something really bad happens, Estrella says. The phantasmal, in other words, offers no respite. It is simply part of the detritus that litters the townscape, making it that much easier for the residents who are all too accustomed, God knows, to a ruined reality, to escape the imagined as true. What's more, there will always be times when the visions run dry, and even the imagination gives up the ghost. As Shine says to Estrella, there are no wishes, there's nothing, not even tigers, where all there is. And in the end, you know, we are confronted with the sharp reality of the world, that there is no real escape from the pain and suffering and that Estrella will grow in this ghost town or she will die. Like the many other children who are lost in the shadows of this war that they have no part in. Yeah. And you do get to see like the little like naivety of like these young kids because when they try to take the phone to the police officer and -hmm. the police officer just rolls up the windows and runs away like well because they say do you see who's in there because it's mm-hmm. a politician that's how deep it goes yeah but like the, yeah you get the, like this naivety of the kids like thinking it is safe to do that and it's not well yeah like he he uh one of the kids i can't remember which one it was one of the side character like the other kids is like mm-hmm. you know this is a, a bad thing happening so who who brings justice when a bad thing happens and sheena says not the police yeah and then they like go to the police and of course the police are like who do you see who's on there like we can't get involved in that and it's like that's that one little scene was enough to show us like how deep it runs because now we know that this villain the the penultimate villain uh is this you know this politician who we've seen his face all over town who claims that he's going to clean it up but he's the one who's doing it like he's the the biggest monster of them all and so you know for a fact there's no getting out of it and yeah. the fact that the police know that too, like th- this is just, it's over, right? It is that corrupt. Um, I think there's, you know, an element to it where, you know, in gear section where you talked about how she said, you know, there's like a, a romancing even of the cartel bosses. Yeah. And I think that El Gino had that too. Like there was a swagger and like a, a confidence that he had, like no one's going to defeat me. That's yeah. how high I am. And definitely not children. Look how many I just kill all the time. There's a whole room full of the people I killed. I don't know their names. I don't know which one it is. How am I supposed to know where your mother is? And like the audacity of that, like the, the power that he has and, and cockiness. And yeah, it, it it was a really traumatizing villain. Yeah. He was, Oh, that, that little ending was probably one of the, and I, I thought child being eaten was the worst thing I had ever seen. And then when I saw like him attacking the children, I was like, Oh God, no, this is what, this is living forever in my brain. I'm just going to be sad. Yeah. And it's like, for me, I had like a, 
a horrible thought when, you know, the awful happens where, you know, it's like he wished for the scar to be gone. And it was. Yeah. It was replaced with a new one. But it was. And I was just like, it's such a, like a twist of the fantasy that that's what happened. Right. It's like, oh, you think you're working with magic? Well, the magic is evil, too. Yeah. And that really hit me and affected me um, in such uh, yeah phenomenal film. Yeah. Um, I mean, for 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 rating, um, you know, I would say like the little like the the lost kids, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and then like for like if you hate it, it's like El Chino, um, yeah, because he was evil. Uh, so cat for the topic uh i'll because that's like it's so sad like the fact that this film is realistic like that that is happening to real children and real women and is so upsetting and that there's mm-hmm. no justice for it like the fact that they're it's so corrupted to the point where nothing is safe yeah. Is just so unbelievably upsetting. The film was amazing. So Lost Boys yeah. for the film. What about you, Gabe? Yeah. yeah, I agree. Like, I think, like, with the, like, that it's El Chino for the the war there. Because, like, even, like, we don't even get the performed justice that we get in La Llorona. Where yeah. we, per- like, we attempted to hold someone accountable. And, of course, there's not just one person. But at least we had a name. That we mm-hmm. could be like, this guy, right? And with this, it's like, we can't even do that. Like, yeah, we have El Chino in the film, but it's like, clearly it runs too deep. And the fact that we can't even find them or know who's missing and who's murdered and who who's like, it's just so infinite, the loss, that there's no way to find justice. And yeah. that also there's no escape. Like that, you know our country is making that difficult too. Like we are just keeping them there and keeping them in danger and keeping those children that way. And then hurting them even further when they get here. And it's, it's a darkness that is just like infinite, I think. And it's, it's traumatizing. But I agree that I think the film is definitely lost boys, um, that it is a melt piece for things that we are, either neglect or ignore just are ignorant to mm-hmm. um which happens quite a lot i think it is beautifully crafted i have no complaints i think it was the fantastical elements were great um yeah. i think like even though i compared it to uh crimson peak it was better than crimson peak with those horrors because yeah it's a kid <laughs> i was like a kid would believe that and i thought it was charming too um it broke my heart absolutely broke my heart um and will for like my heart will always have that piece in there and it makes me thankful because i would rather know and to have felt that than to be ignorant of it yeah Um, agreed and so i really hope Issa lopez does more yeah me too (sighs) (laughs) definitely watch it (laughs) <laughs> Definitely watch it. I know that we said all these really sad things. It is very it's sad. It's worth it, though. And as long as you know, if you can handle it, right, like if you can handle um, that kind of trauma, do it. I think it's beautifully crafted. Um, and if you can't handle watching it, then do research and at least know yeah. that it exists. Yeah. Share this episode to other people so they know what's going on. Um, 
you know, like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you thought of this film. Um, let us know what you think about Guillermo del Toro. You know, I love him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, how to hopefully change it. So we'll definitely have resources in our uh, show notes and on our blog, as well as uh, resources to what we uh, got, like our sources for where we got some of this information so yeah. that you can do your own research and you can dive deeper into it. Um, for sure. Then our little hour can give you. But yeah, yeah. Um, don't get married. Get married, delete your kids. Delete your kids, which is like a better alternative, honestly. Yeah. Than what happens here. Exactly. Hopefully, Estrella perseveres. That she has such star. a wonderful name, too. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye.